we are experiencing a national moment of change. For some, it has been a singular sustained cry called out for generations and over centuries. For others, it is the first ring of a bell long unheard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your experience is, it's a time to stand up against racial injustice. We here at the Out of Practice podcast pledge to stand up and support equality and justice. Please join us in raising our voices to support reforming our policing and judicial system. Participate in a peaceful protest. Support an organization committed to fighting for equality. Speak up and speak out. But most importantly, vote. Not only in the big national races, but in your local elections and primaries. Your voice matters and your vote counts. Black Lives Matter. Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Marnie. And 720p, Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, <laughs> my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Mike's still pushing his luck using the rope. Software. You got me, you son of a bitch. I still rock out to our theme song because I'm a loser. <laughs> hey, and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which we detail David E. Kelly's award winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode 17, entitled Black Widows. This is Out of Practice, episode number 78. How's it going, Mike? Wow, 78. Right? Ooh, girl. It, it's, a, it's a lot. It's, we, have, we have made the, uh, the world suffer through a great deal of our talking. I'll say that it's been a stressful few weeks for both of us. I know we're both experimenting with the idea of leaving the city, which brings with it not only yeah. the stress of potentially moving and finding a place to move. Uh, but also this, I think we maybe have discussed it before, at least privately, if not on the podcast, this weird morning sensation of, yeah, life is different than it was in our 20s when we moved here, but still that that pull of needing to be in New York that lives somewhere in my psyche. So it's a whole bunch of stress. So I'll say that the weather is a little rainy today. It's nice to be just kind of bunkered in, hang out with a buddy, watch a tv show <laughs> i think uh, is is something the doctor ordered yeah well the uh, the existential dreads getting getting to you huh yeah well, i mean it's... it has been for the record yeah. but well i mean since what 16 yeah but but yeah i mean moving out of the city is it's a transition although at least for us we're we're just going across the river we're just gonna, you know, just going across to Jersey. We want to be somewhere that we can commute into the city, 
someday when that is a thing that happens again. Yeah, um, we sort of but, jumped that step. I guess it's because, well, it's my family, really. It's it's a lot having to do with being closer to my mom. I think that for us, it's less a putting down roots somewhere else and more a transitional phase into, who knows? I, I don't know. I'm trying to explain something that's unexplainable currently. So, But we've got, um, the place we're looking at currently is relatively commutable to both Philadelphia and uh, New York City. So the world is still my oyster should things pick back up. It's it's more my wife. I think I'm trying to... I it, It's weird dichotomy now because I'm the one who is less concerned about leaving because mm-hmm. I haven't had a theatrical career in some years, whereas she has. And yet, because I don't want her to uh, regret things i'm the one playing devil's advocate for staying so it's weird i'm playing so many i'm playing on many teams well you're also doing something i think is smart you're you're gonna rent for a year yeah so that in a year's time we're gonna have a much better sense of what's gonna happen in new york and with theater and then you have options yeah it's true so well, anyway, anyway, that's not what this podcast is about, so... No, it is not. And, you know, we have to talk about the uh, the freeze in the room, because I would like to point out that the last two episodes, you may have noticed on YouTube, we tend to freeze a fair amount, uh, because Mike wants to push his luck with the new software, which adds little, little animation dealies, which are really cool. But, uh, not nary... A, Right after last episode, you texted me, and uh, I let me see if I can pull it up and read it because you specifically texted me. Uh, where is it? Where is it? You said, "Do not, under any circumstances, let me use that old program again, and remind me when I try to use the old program again." This I have now sent that back to you on two occasions. And what program are we using right this very minute? The one I say we weren't going to use. And let me explain why. Let me just give you the nerd explanation. I would like to point out you had a nerd explanation last week, too. Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to be doing majority of any of the cool animations in post anyway. So it is moot as as to breaking, except for Time Machine Weather. So that could break everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, here's, here's my biggest fear and it really doesn't matter, but here it is. Old program is not designed as like a production suite. So it records into the codec, which is a .mp4. And that's great. It's a nice compressed file. However, should something go wrong on the back end while we're recording, the whole file could be corrupted. And I wouldn't know that until well after we're done. And then it's gone and it's screwed. In new program, which has introduced some technical hiccups, I can record in what's the container of .mkv, which, should there be a catastrophe, which, guess what? There was like seven catastrophes last week. I can Mm -hmm. still get the raw stuff and piece it together. So, I I I err on the side of at least there's something. Um, Even though, (laughs) so, I don't know. This, what I've done now is downscale everything, so it's not as taxing. Uh, I don't hear my CPU. Doesn't matter. Look, the end user is going to get something, and you know what? It is what it is. This is a the final test, the final countdown. <laughs> Copyright protected. Yeah, right. 
We're going to get the YouTube strike. No, we're not. I just keep waiting for the email from that one person who somehow stumbled upon their cover being played on our our, our podcast. Uh, well, I, I mean, especially since I, I scour YouTube for the cover with the least views, you know, to, to, to help them out. And so I, at some point, we're just going to have to start doing our own covers of all of them. So uh, that'll be that'll be really fun. Okay. Well, all right. We have jabbered on in uh, for far too long, and I think it's time to open up our mailbag and hear some filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. We heard from our good friend and founding sponsor, Leanne Wrights, who pointed out on last week's uh, Double Dipper post, where I post all of our, our multiple uh, actors who have done multiple roles on the practice, and I take I put pictures of them on the Instagram, check it out, Out, out of Practice Podcast. And right there on Laserdick's post, she says, she starts <laughs> singing, We weren't supposed to know the statue been, been on the, on the show, show before. before. And uh, yeah, so I got to play that twice last week, which was, or two weeks ago. Which was super fun because that's my favorite jingle. So it's my far. favorite jingle too. It turns out it's and you gave me so much shit because it's like four minutes long and we had to play it twice. Yeah, but you know, so uh, yeah, so I'm so glad Leanne is is such a great supporter of all of our jingles. You know what else she's a great supporter of, and I want to I want to give hmm. a shout out. Okay, she as everyone is right now. They the life is esoteric. And is we're searching for meeting, and she is very busy. She's editing her book and such, and and we wish her the best of luck with all of that. And so she's gotten a couple episodes behind after having fought to catch up. And I guess she's she's still a few and episodes that's a behind. Struggle. Yeah, she posted a, a <laughs> post on her Instagram of just saying how she missed our voices, which I, I don't I don't think I'm stretching the truth in any way, shape, or form to tell you that that is a compliment that is far above what Keith and I are used to getting from anyone. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it really does mean a lot, and we appreciate... My mother doesn't even say that. Oh, yeah. God, my... Oh. Uh, we're not going to go down that. My therapist... I, oh. oh, God. You know, every once in a while, we have, like, a Mike is sad episode. Yeah, well, there, you're kind of, I have a suspicion we're coming up to quite a few of them in the next season, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. No, that's right. We are we are all transitioning in one way or another during this crazy crazy time. In fact, I'm I'm waiting to uh, get an email. It's probably sometime during the podcast to find out whether we got pre-approved for a mortgage. We tried it. We're going with a different lender. So, all right. Fingers crossed. They don't realize we're poor. Yeah. Well, the tap dancing you do to try to you know fool people that you're not poor. It's fun. Anyway, uh, moving on, we heard from Phoenix Cage, who uh, is always one to hold me personally accountable, and I appreciate that. He says, Keith had read my comment on the lack of a suicide note, uh, this is last episode, but only up to the read more button. So he had me setting up the point that he made, but then missed my whole segment <laughs> that knocked it down. Thanks, Mike, for backing up and to try to set him straight. I'll suppose I'll have to start calling in again as to make it harder for him to accidentally twist my objections into endorsements. Yeah, boy, I should uh, I should probably run for something because when somebody says I'm wrong, I find a way to tell them that I'm right. 
Yes, you uh, you often poke the salty bear that is Phoenix Gage. <laughs> and Cloud Lover sixty nine and Tom Brady. I you know I don't understand why I've developed such an antagonistic uh, relationship with all of our dedicated listeners, but some would say, and I have a conspiracy theory. Oh 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 okay. Some would say. Oh okay, you weren't going to play the bumper. I, I was setting was... up a different bumper. Okay okay, I. It could be that Phoenix Cage is both Cloud Lover 69 and Tom Brady. Wow. I, it, it is. It has not, not crossed my mind at this point. Uh, but I think what all three of them, what all three of them are saying in unison is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keith is pompous. And they're not... Wrong. If any of you are looking for a quarantine project, feel free to create me some sort of visual animation of Keith as Keith (laughs) is pompous uh, bumper, and I will make sure it makes its way onto our glitchy ass (laughs) podcast. Great. Melt down our podcast. Uh, for an unnecessary animation, not because it's not funny, but because everybody already knows they've listened to me at this point in the podcast. Uh, all right, so moving on, uh, we heard from our good friend Marla Sokolov, uh, the actual Marla Sokolov, who uh, recommended that someone who keeps posting on her Instagram uh, should follow our podcast and said that we that you would love it. And it, 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 I mean, yes, thank you, Marla. That's awesome. We appreciate it. Um, and it's an interesting situation because this uh, this poster has been uh, saying consistently on her Instagram that she posts more about her other shows than she does the practice and uh, has a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. And we have come to Marla's defense, as many other people have. And it's an interesting uh, situation because I think about it from the standpoint of both a fan Mm -hmm. and as, as somebody who does things that people are fans of sometimes and have... Um, you know, I think about it, you know, with my with my wife and all, all of our lives, how uh, I think in this situation, I think he's just entirely misreading the situation. Marla loves the practice. She's got nothing but great things to say about it. She's reached out. To, like we've obviously that is not the situation happening here. But I think about it, as an artist, people expect you to have the same relationship with what you're doing as they do. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the case. And, and I think that as, as an artist, it's sometimes hard to have your own relationship with the project that other people like. Well, and also I think that there, and, and I don't, we don't have any sort of insight into Marla's mm-hmm. interaction and, and, with. And, and I, I'm genuinely, I do not think this is the case with Marla. No, in fact, I mean, we're a podcast dedicated to the practice and we've had a few interactions with her, you know, uh, outside of Instagram, you know, directly for various things. And uh, she's always been really kind and forthcoming with us. So I think that that's, you know, proof, at least anecdotally from us, that she's super cool. But, I, you know, it's also, uh, we can speak as artists, that sometimes you even have a separate relationship with the people you worked on a project with. Right. And this sort of taste in your mouth for however things came out in the wash with the project itself because and and I I don't I don't speak with any 
knowledge of what's coming because I've I've done my best to avoid the coming seasons information about them right. because I know that the cast turns over at some point yes. and then becomes yeah. a different show and so we don't know any of the politics or interpersonal relationships and feelings or sour feelings that come from that type of thing professionally and business wise uh, set aside from the actual enjoyment of the project and and its artistic merit. No, for sure. And like there, it's it's like if I have a a song that I wrote that becomes my number one hit, but I'm like, eh, it's not my favorite song, but everyone expects me to talk about it as if it's my favorite song. Or, you know, in a lot of these, like, you know, you book a you book your dream show. And then it's a complic it's a more complicated experience than it seems like on the on the outside. And people expect you to talk about or in my case like a collaboration mm -hmm. on a show that that might be difficult and everyone is expecting you to talk about it like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you because in some ways it it, it is. But it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I have my own feelings about this and mm -hmm. I may, I have my own relationship with the work and, and the experience. And I think people don't under, they don't allow people to have their own relationships because they have theirs. And, and I get it. I mean, like, I'm a huge fan. Like, I, I hate hearing if somebody like on Star Trek didn't have a good experience working on the show or didn't have a good experience with a person on the show or a producer on the show. It happens it in music my a heart lot. a little bit. You know, like yeah. when you when you love a band so much and then they break up and then just for the next five, ten years, they're talking shit on each other and about the project and how it was. And, and you're like, but I that was the seminal foundation of, of a portion of my life, you know, so. Well, and, 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 well, and also, and it's like, you're complaining about this thing that I've always dreamed about doing and I don't get to do. Right. And, and like, and, and, oh, you have all that money and you're on a billboard and like, whatever, like you're going to complain about it. And I, I think it's hard to understand both sides of that in a lot yeah, of ways. For sure. And anyway, the discussion is about that. It is in no way, we are not in any way discussing Marla's relationship with the practice because she clearly loves it. And I, I don't know why yeah. this guy feels that she doesn't. Um, I'm not sure what that's based on, but uh, suffice to say, I think it's a it's an interesting conversation. Well, I um, also think, like I said, we're not wading in too deep. It's not that big a deal, but... Uh, she's just been really cool with us. So we wanted to make it clear to whoever out there might be wondering, like, she's cool. Uh, I'll also say that, you know, Full House and some of the other projects she's been involved with, I think were more popular and are currently more popular. Like Full House is the old Full House and its reboot are kind of exploding on Netflix in popularity. So it, it stands to reason that that's, you yeah, see more well, social media about that. And also, I mean, we're going through part of this podcast is us talking about what we were doing during that time period. Yeah. And uh, especially on Instagram, it's a visual media. I have like 10 pictures from that <laughs> decade. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's not the same thing as today. If I'm shooting something today, I have a gazillion pictures and a gazillion this, that, the other thing. That was 20 years ago. And, and, uh, I mean, even just technologically in that weird gap between film and digital when digital was terrible. And, and so the, I just, I have almost nothing from that era, which is why this day in the basement so hard every week. I'll uh, never forget this speak. You brought that up and this is not even remotely appropriate, but I'm going to 
Well, that's my whole brand is being inappropriate. <laughs> Just to point out how crazy this is, I remember in this time period, actually, a little maybe a year or two from now, but this is fairly close to this time period. I like experienced one of my first exchanges of um, scandalous photography with a, a partner of mine. Ooh. And uh, it was, they were housed on Polaroid photographs. <laughs> so I well, remember- it wasn't digital, thank God. Yeah, this is pretty. So that's like how old school I am. And I remember vividly, because I'm a good human being in some respects- when I was no, when I parted ways with said partner, having right. to like cut up into strips and then burn the Polaroid photography. Yes, yes. So as as well, you should. And have. Those were back in the days when delete meant delete. Uh, that, delete. that no longer exists. Yes, yes. Thank the world. I I I truly, desperately hope she did the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is time. People frantically Googling Indiglio nude Polaroid. <laughs> I I don't think that's happening. I, I, I'm pretty I can almost sure guarantee it. Can almost guarantee it. Somebody's opened up a new tab. <laughs> I have my Google alert set. <laughs> ping ping. <laughs> oh, nobody wants to see your ping ping. Okay, no. let's just be honest. Nope. In any resolution. Oh. <laughs> Polaroid, not Polaroid. <laughs> Cave drawing and smoke. No. Okay. Let's bail from that statement. Yep. And let's hop into a recording segment we have called... It's the loudest of segments. Well, we have to get our angst out some way. We do. We do. So, uh... We have some exciting news that I'm we sure do. folks who are uh, involved in this already know. But we talked a couple weeks ago about the uh, amazing miniseries Hollywood. Yeah. That was on Netflix. Uh, that both uh, Dylan McDermott and, of course, Holland Taylor were on, and they were both nominated for Emmys. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah, got puberty. Both nominated for Emmys for their performances on Hollywood, and we are so excited. We we I I talked you know before about how I was like I was genuinely proud of Dylan, and, mm -hmm. and I was just like this is really fantastic. So congratulations to them. Yeah, uh, for those of you who haven't watched it, you should check it out. There's a really a really beautiful uh, relationship, we'll say, between them as characters, and I'm sure as actors, getting to revisit a lot of old memories. I, I, to be a fly in the wall at some of those rehearsals really would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. I am also, as I mentioned before, working my way through the West Wing. We just began oh, season yes. three. Oh, fun. We are plowing through. I'm trying to, my wife is so gung-ho about just really binging it, and I'm trying to savor it a little bit more, but it ends up that we're just kind of plowing through, but I'm getting nervous. There's a lot, there's so much stress involved. And what are you, ner I, are you like story-wise or production-wise? What's making you nervous? Well, the health of the president is, uh, has, Oh yes, you're, you've begun the MS storyline. Yes, well, we've been in the MS storyline, but it's now become public. And so, you know, he's fighting for re-election amidst a whole bunch of challenges and the, there's some turmoil when it comes to team morale, all kinds of things. So 
Uh, it also makes me long for a few things. Press mm-hmm. briefings. Uh, right. From the press secretary. And just, you know, it's funny. They deal with, because it's a, a, a pretty progressive liberal uh, team, they often are being accused of being uh, soft-shelled liberals. Yeah, soft-shelled liberals. And I think to myself, <laughs> the bar has so dramatically declined that it's just, forget forget what side of the aisle you're on. I would just, some competence or coherent strategy would be appreciated, whether I agreed strategery. with it or not. Strategery. I got a strategery. But it did, yeah. it did, it did, watching this show and then yesterday seeing the comparison of former presidents, some of which we agreed with, some which we drastically did not agree with, at least showing what statesmanship is and being a good human being. Just basic human decency. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's stark. But nonetheless, it it is a reminder of just how incredible and how wordy, I can't imagine. You know, we we saw an exchange online between Kelly Williams and Marla Sokolov about how difficult it was to memorize lines on the practice. Can you imagine working in the West Wing? Well, and Aaron Sorkin not only is so linguistically uh, dense, um, he also is a, uh, you cannot change a comma. I was wondering that. I was wondering no, what you cannot, that reputation no, was. No, you, you cannot change a comma. So if if the line is, no, 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 you have to get the exact right amount of no's. Uh, that's, and it's, you know. While you're walking and talking like through a, a set it's 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 like the performances on there are just tremendous period but especially in that all of that context it's amazing and you are only you only have two more seasons of sorkin too oh does it change does it flip yeah sorkin left after the fourth season oh does and it so, does the quality dip it's different it's different i i think there are there are times in which it does and then there are times where I think it it absolutely reaches Sorkin levels, um, so and I, I thought it had a tremendous final season. So okay, anyway, lot to look forward to. I can't wait to talk talk with you about it more uh, on uh, our West Wing podcast, which will never happen. <laughs> put put it in the queue, and then lastly on my side, I haven't uh, been able to watch so much anything else because it's sort of all West Wing all the time. But I did while Jen fell asleep early. I did check out this. Just the you first, snuck it. The, the first documentary that Netflix recommended me. I was like, I'm just going to watch it, and it was a documentary called Tread. Hmm. And I hesitate to give away too much about about the plot because I think it's just the story itself is interesting. But it's on some levels, it's this man who is a good guy, and he ends up kind of. Uh, I guess the easiest way to say it is enacting a plan of domestic terrorism, but but hyper focused terrorism. It's not just to create. It's it, there's a target, and and they are very. It's very specific, specifically his town, right? Not like interesting, right? Yeah, right, right. But it they were able to get his sort of confession tapes and use that basically to narrate this film with some re- recreate. Uh, re- Reenactments, yes, some reenactments and some uh, talking head stuff. It's 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 only eighty minutes. It's fascinating and it's 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 a good watch. So anybody who's interested or even remotely interested, uh, you know, it's a good it's a good time filler. Yeah, great, cool. 
What about you, man? Anything else you've been watching that you want to talk about? No, or? We, no we've been, uh, Jillian and I have been obsessed with watching, uh, actually on Netflix, they only had the sixth season, so now we're going back to the beginning, uh, but that reality show Alone. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, the it, it seems like now going back, hop back on Hulu to watch season three, like, it got much more hardcore by the time it got to Netflix, but it, it just literally people out in they start in the Arctic or in, in Alaska for season six. And they're just like, take these random survivalists, give them a shovel and like go out there and see how long you can survive. And it's sort of like the hunger games where they're just like, it's literally who exists there longer without dying wins a half a million dollars. And these guys are at least in season six, these are some badass survival survivalist men and women. Yeah, it, It's sort of like the, the naked and afraid, but everybody has a much like higher. Yeah. But for real, <laughs> it's, for, but for real, like like real actual survivalists, and they're uh, it's remarkable and super compelling. There's something else I've been watching on YouTube. I mentioned my weird sort of YouTube fascination with shining shoes and building model towns before, uh, but here's a little something more I think appealing to the masses, especially it's when probably- Mike open opens up another tab. Yeah, right. So, shining but, shoes, comma nude, especially our audience. Um, let me see if I can get it to display without breaking the computer. You're going to break it. No, come on. You got to trust me, man. I do not. Oh, you see, you're doing your thing. Just okay. You. you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to bother <laughs> with it. Uh, but it is a YouTube channel called Smarter Every Day. And you can go to the guy's website at smartereveryday.com. And he's this engineering uh, guy with an um, engineering master masters. And he just goes to fascinating places and does fascinating sort of vlog type videos, but they're not just like 15, 20 minutes. They're 30 minutes to an hour. Like the last two videos I watched, he gets permission to go on to an Arctic US submarine and tour oh. a submarine that's not not just a, a Navy submarine, which is cool in its own right, but it's stationed in the Arctic. So they're like below two miles like of under ice. the ice. Oh, yeah. cool. And, and, it's, and he's given unfettered access that nobody's gotten before. And it's just, he's just a really curious and smart individual and they don't dumb anything down. So some of it flies right over my head, but I'm fine with that. And the other one I watched was he got invited to another off limits place. It's the actual manufacturing plant where they build rockets. So not SpaceX where they're designing them, but the actual place where raw materials come in and they they do all of the machining for pieces of steel that will end up in space and it is just fascinating and he's such a nerd and he asks all these questions it's just wonderful smartereveryday.com or the youtube channel smarter every day cool all right yeah. that sounds fun all right we all have right. been talking well, talking we have talking. been talking for far too long i just got out of the shower now my hair is drying and i look homeless it's perfect and that means it is a perfect time to hop back mercifully into the time machine to April 12th, April the 2nd, the year 2000. And that makes us all ask the question, what were you doing? This day in the basement. April the 2nd, the year 2000. So this is a pretty cool time. I know I've mentioned before I was getting ready to audition for Pippin. I'm back at home. But this summer- You had magic to do. I did have magic to do. In June of 2000, I recalled via scrapbook that I did another little 
musical cabaret at the high school I had graduated from, my friend Matt, who would go on to become the associate artistic director at the Arden Theater, uh, then he left the Arden Theater, and now he is co-founder of Theater Horizon in Philadelphia, a bunch of other mm-hmm. work he does. He's a great, great guy. He put together one of his first directing projects. It was called If I Sing. It was a cabaret. We raised money for something or other I don't remember. Uh, and we got to sing some cool tunes, and and we started rehearsing that right about now. So I, I don't have any photographs uh, of that. I think I may, but I don't know where they would be. But no, I that's wish you had I was, some video. I would love to I, I do have a hear... video on VHS, but I do not have a v, uh, VCR. Oh, man. We have to get, we're, we're going to have to get a VCR so that we can f- get some of these VHS things. Yeah. You know what? My brother might. Maybe I'll swing by on Monday. We're going to check out an apartment. Maybe I'll see if I can grab the VCR and and digitize some of that. You know, this reminds me, uh, while we're packing up here, I realize I still have your video camera from like 15 years ago. Oh, well, you know, happy, happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a standard definition little camcorder I borrowed from you in like 2006. That's funny. So I'm still holding it hostage. All right. What, uh, anyway. what about you? So I was going through this time, and I I I mentioned I was going to tell this story, but I wanted to separate it from saying the person's name because I remember about this time I had uh, speaking of uh, sort of calling out racial injustice, uh, I I had a teacher in one of my private lessons at this point just. Out of nowhere, apropos of nothing, launch into this like incredibly racist and homophobic joke, right? Just like as if I thought that was going to be the most hilarious thing. Now, in did the you world. say homophobic or hobophobic? Is was they were they making fun of homeless people or no, no homophobic? Okay. It was a it it was it was one of those like one two punches. This joke isn't only super racist; it's also homophobic. And mm. I was I remember I was like you know. I was, 19 still at this point uh, or was i uh, yeah i was still 19 and i was like what am i supposed to do with this and and being forced to like uh, uh, uh okay and not having the intestinal fortitude to say like called what the fuck dude you know like and 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 call bullshit on it and it is one of those like moments that if i had a time machine i would love to have gone back and handled that differently and uh, you know and not huh. just uh just like uh okay Been tacit yeah can we go back to my little german leader please and huh. and i think it was just a it was a really odd thing and i i think about that teacher um he's no longer with us but it, it was I, I wish that I had, I wish I'd called him on that because he, you know, certainly is in a position of great power, you know, at, at, at an institution like that. Um, but there were plenty of, of, of people of color in his studio. And I was like the one, who, the only one there who wasn't gay. And, and it was to, to have that kind of an attitude in the studio that apparently he thought like I'd be like yeah man haha <laughs> how hilarious. I don't know. For me, for me, it's you know it, this is an interesting time period as well as you bring up because growing up, and this speaks to my privilege. Uh, growing up, I was aware of of racism because 
I lived in a, a major the majority a majority white Caucasian suburb, and yeah. so I was aware of what a minority was, and obviously it was somewhat taught in school, and so it was, but but it didn't affect me because I did, there was no real overt racism in my community uh, that I was privy to as a as a young person. However, it stands to reason I was com- totally ignorant of homophobia because. I was unaware of homosexuality. There was really, n- really none of it in my pop culture and in my in my area. A- at least those who were were very closeted, and and it wasn't a conversation being had. And so it was not homophobia on my part. It was more just sheer ignorance. And I remember before moving to New York, the first time it sort of entered my purview was my brother was a cheerleader at Penn State, and the majority of those those cheerleaders and his peers at the time were homosexual. And so I got to know them and it was interesting because I felt as a person just completely no, I had no sort of uh, bigotry towards them, but my father did and expressed it verbally. And that ugly feeling you're describing right now is very, is exactly what I felt. And it's that I don't know what I'm feeling. It's hard to figure it out. So it's, it's, you know, not, we do need people to be, to stand up and to speak out. But it's understandable that when you're first encountering some of these things, which I think a lot of people in the grand picture right now are, a lot of people are being exposed to their own biases and to the biases and injustices around them. And yeah, you've got to, it's okay to be quiet right now and, and take it in and try to understand how you're feeling and how you can help before you just blatantly start (laughs) having an opinion. It's okay to form one first. No, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think I think now I feel much more of an obligation to not let those things stand mm-hmm. and to totally. call out, you know, just say like, no, to, to be intolerant of racism <laughs> and homophobia, that kind of that kind of stuff. And, you know, by that point in my life, I, you know, I, I had been a, a, a tiny little gay rights activist since I was like 11 and, and as a result, I actually dealt with a lot of homophobia, assumed homophobia, because I was the where you know the guy wearing the, like the ally button on his on his bag. So I was I was assumed to be. So I got I I had a lot of the experiences, um, but it was uh, but I didn't have the courage yet to to call. It. But 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 when you're when you're dealing with that that power imbalance it's your boss it's your dad it's your teacher or whatever that it's 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 dicey but yeah uh you know 19 year old keith could have done better but we'll cut him some slack all right it is time to move on to it's time for the out of practice podcasts this day in the world the greatest hits the biggest movies headlines from vermont essential sports updates and for some inexplicable reason the weather from 20 years ago now back to keith and mike the number one song in the country was maria maria by santana Featuring the product GNB. Oh, Maria, Maria. She reminds me of a West Side story. This is a good cover. Great cover. The top movie was Aaron Brockovich, which took in 13 million in its third week. 
the cover of the Burlington Free Press existed, but I just now realized I forgot to look it up. So let's just say Vermont things were happening. There was a moose wandering around and he made some maple syrup and played some hockey snow. Yes. This is a great cover, man. I'm glad they're not it's all going to be just crappy. I couldn't find any bad ones. <laughs> yeah, I guess like if you're, you're going to cover this, this you got to be you, you got to bring your game. All right. Thank you so much. Good cover of that. It means it's time for It's time. It's time. time. It's time for sports. The Flyers were blanked by the Carolina Hurricanes 1-0 in Raleigh. Arches Urbe outdueled Brian Boucher to get the shutout. Faith Battaglia had the only goal in the first period. There were no fights. Meanwhile, the Boston Bruins tied the New York Rangers 2-2 in Boston. Jay Henderson and Andy Lackinson got the goals for Boston, while Adam Graves and Mike York scored for New York. This was Henderson's first and only goal in his NHL career. You know, I'll say when we talk about sports ball, last week I was all hyped for baseball and it only took three games yeah. for uh, the entire visiting clubhouse in Philadelphia, the Tampa Bay Rays, to uh, have their entire team and coaching staff basically infected. They shut down the Phillies season, their season, for at least a week. Uh, we're supposed yeah, to I, come back tomorrow. We'll see. No. I, I, I think baseball's toast. Keith I don't thinks see, baseball's toast. I, I, I see absolutely no way that they're able, like, I give them, like, another week and a half to try, and mm. it's going to get shut down. There's no way. And similarly, I, I'm i thinking, like, 20% chance of an NFL season this year. Well, basketball had their opening tip-off yes, last night, so we'll see. Well, well basketball and hockey are going to be okay because the they bubble. did it smartly. The bubble. Like, yeah. they're going to... They're the only ones who sort of like took this seriously and had a plan. And, well, they went to uh, Canada, which I think is always a safe plan. Well, they went to Canada, but like the reason baseball and football have no chance is that they're traveling all over the country, in and out of hot spots. They're they're not quarantining. They're not going into a bubble. They're like, well, we have some hand sanitizer. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, you're toast. And I'm sad about it. I mean, not having football is going to make me very, very sad this year. Uh, but you know what was on ESPN2 last night? And this is What's not that? a joke. I mean this sincerely. The Foosball World Championships. And dude, it's incredible. Are they? It's insane how good these people are. And the, and the technology they have to show it so that because the ball's moving so fast, they like do the hockey puck trail thing. It's cool. <laughs> it is cool. And there's a documentary called uh, Foosballers and I downloaded it. So I will be watching wow. that. Yeah. Anyway. I, uh, yeah, no, I... Would not have imagined that, but I tell you, ESPN for a for a sports network that just like just like fuck hockey, fuck ho like hockey's not a sport. We don't care about that anymore. They show some weird nonsense because they don't like hockey. I never thought about the fact that ESPN doesn't really broadcast hockey. They used to they used to broadcast hockey all the time, but now once they lost the contract, they don't even do the highlights anymore. They yeah, you, they used to no bring on that dude with the like weird jackets, the crazy, the flamboyant dude to like. Oh, Don Cherry. Well, he's in yeah. CBC. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 so I have been so salty at ESPN for like 20 years because of how they treat hockey. Anyway, go watch some foosball and what was that other sport we were watching? Uh. uh Oh, yeah, bags. Cornhole. Yeah. Yeah, cornhole. Come on, honestly. <laughs> okay. 
That is your sports ball for this episode, which means it's time for... Can you tell me the weather? Uh, yeah, I can. Gonna. Cause we all need to know. Skipped it last week. Was it hot? We're back, it baby. Snow? Tell, tell me, me the weather, weather from 21 years ago. Uh, here's some highlights from season one of the practice, Keith. Hope you're ready. I'm excited. Oh, wow, that's on the pilot. Fans, and welcome oh, shit. to the time machine weather for April 2nd oh in the year 2000. Spring has sprung everywhere in our metaverse. In King of Prussia, it was a high of 66 degrees, going down to 57 degrees. Rochester, New York, though drizzly, still made it up to 53 degrees, though brr, brr, 39 degrees overnight. Keith, get yourself a second blanket. And in Boston, Bobby's still recovering from his PTSD from being beaten to hell by Donnie Wahlberg. Nonetheless, it gets up to 68 degrees, 51 overnight, and this was your time machine weather. Wow. Nice trick. You have now integrated yourself into the practice. Damn right. Well done. <laughs> okay. I'm a human oh. being. God damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk. Never has that been more appropriate. We are 44 minutes into this. Good Lord. We're going to do the episode in running time. You're the only person I've spoken to this week, so I've, I just needed to chat, I guess. <laughs> you just, this is like your, you know, this is this is how you fill the hole in your heart when Jen's out of town. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, well, this- she's getting the muffler fixed right now, so she's actually, you know, like doing she's actual things. the car. <laughs> CEO Jen is really uh, taking oh. uh, personal management to uh, its nth degree. Well, it, as as is clear by now, if you're listening to this, our wives are the adults in the relationships. That is true. Happily, they are not season four, episode seventeen, Black Widows, because we are still alive. Oh wait, you, you know you got something over your shoulder there. Ah! Oh, this one. Ah! <laughs> I I added a little thing for the thing this, this week. I like when you do that. I like when there's a little little something different. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, you know what? Maybe I will add a little thing for the topic of each episode, and we'll see if you can find it. This episode, entitled, obviously, Black Widows, was written by David E. Kelly and directed by Mel Damsky, who last directed Do Unto Others. Happily, we have only one thing to do before we can turn off the camera and... Let our guts fly, and that is <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? I'm tickling the tickling the spider. Um. <clears throat> that looks kind of dirty. Uh, that sounds so pretty look, dirty, too. If you can't see it, it's worse. I've never seen a Black Widow episode or an episode of television where someone's called Black Widow, where it's not about a woman who is killing all her husbands, right? So it stands to reason that this is an episode where we are defending a woman who is 
accused of killing multiple husbands. Now, that's too easy. So I'm going to add a wrinkle. Far too easy. That is not a, a wrinkle so much as a trope. If knowing David E. Kelly and the previous episodes we've seen stands for anything, I would say that also, here's my little extra. Okay. Also in this episode, said Black Widow is going to hit on Bobby, is going to come on Bobby hard and... Let me tell you, Lindsay is going to be salty as hell, and she's not even going to be able to perform her duties because her jealous rage is going to really color things in a way where that is going to make Keith get on his feminism box and say, that's some bullshit right there. That is my prediction. Wow, that sentence that you just constructed there was <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean it's disgusting? Someone's going. You, you, the the quote was, "Someone's going to come on Bobby so hard, and come will be on so to Bobby." Oh yeah, you're no. right. I guess it's gross. <laughs> and then it was salty, and then Lindsay was not going to be able to perform her duties. That really took it. <laughs> that, I think that. See that you just did some mainstream media. You took my words out of context. You formed them to make me look bad. Making me look terrible. Nobody likes me. Everyone thinks should, I'm a spider. Maybe we should delay the episode, Keith, to make sure that we can do it fairly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> anyway. Listen, if you want to listen to us talk and commentate on this salty episode of The Practice uh, and perform our own duties, you can do so by clicking the <laughs> link below to jump to the podcast or click on the uh, QR code that will appear right here right now. Ooh. And... Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can even bypass this ad for Anchor, though you should probably listen to it. And we'll be we back for the penny. oopsies. Yeah, we need that penny. Uh, we'll be back for the oopsies. Season four, episode 17, Black Widows. When did this happen? Eight days ago. Why didn't the hospital notify the police? Jumping right Admitting in. says he Carl wasn't convinced the crime had been committed. James I don't believe Jr., it. He yeah. also says he wanted her to heal first before asking any tough questions. That How dare may be you. true. She's been read her rights? He's one of only two Twice. detectives in all she of She didn't Boston. ask for a lawyer. She hasn't said anything. She won't talk. She's going into a dark room with... Teenagers sitting there at the desk looking sad. Black Widow, I'm assuming, unless this is another case. Why wouldn't they open with the A case? But here we are anyway. Yeah, that is Paz de la Huerta from Boardwalk Empire. Enter the Void Cider House rules a walk to remember and choke. Let's see. Why does it say that it's Jenny Holbrook as Paz de la Huerta? On IMDb, As? it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting listing. What does that even oh, mean? That's be well, as meaning that she her her name is usually spelled with a lowercase d and l on de la, but in the credits on the practice they capitalized them both, and so usually they'll have a clarification there if. If I were listed on a show as Keith R. Varney, but my IMDb page is just Keith Varney, they will mention it. I was listed on the show as Keith R. Varney. Uh, anybody who's Googling Keith's IMDb page, uh, you don't have to do that. There's no R. 
I have one. Thank you very much. I'm the district attorney. I know you're Nothing on it, but it's there. Being brought in by the police, you must be terrified. But I'm not the police, okay? She's young. I think I can help you. But you're going to have to trust me first. I just want to leave. And I will make sure you do. So dark. But first, I... I just want you to tell me what happened, okay? Now, Dr. Matthew said you tried to kill yourself. Is that true? Can you tell me why? Because... I know this stuff is hard to talk about, so tell you what. I'll tell you what I do know, and you can fill in some of the blanks, all right? Your mom threw you out of the house. When did she throw you out, Jenny? The day before. The day before you tried to take your life? Yes. Did she throw you out because she was angry that you were pregnant? Hey, Bob, is there any yes. chance we can slowly zoom in months. this entire scene until we're up their nostrils? Yeah, and keep panning so back upset, and forth you know? behind Helen's head. She used to always say, ever. don't go and get knocked up. It was a big thing with her. So when she found out, she kind of went berserk and stuff. We deal a lot she with teenage pregnancies, don't we? my life would be ruined we? and I don't know. Yeah. What about your dad? Begs the eternal question. Are you PT? My mother doesn't even know who he is or was. I think that's... She got knocked up. I was probably the baby that ruined her life. You being pregnant, this was sort of a huge disaster, huh? Were you upset when she threw you out of the house? Yes. Is that the reason you tried to kill yourself? Is it me or is Helen seemingly Probably. enjoying this conversation, at least facially? Are you really going to help me? You have my word. She's a little bit like that guy Keith Elson from Dateline. Yeah, tell me yes, more. Tell Was it me bloody? About, tell me about your tragedy. Oh, your mother must have been angry. Oh, yes. You I need saw a that big after knife. you stabbed yourself. <laughs> I see you then got yourself to a hospital. Was it sticky after all? That blood uh, on that knife? Did you then decide you really wanted to live? <laughs> yeah. It was hurting we both so do that terrible key. I don't even know who that person is. I'm just going with did it. Did you really think you would kill yourself by stabbing yourself in the stomach, Jenny? Ooh. I don't know. That's graphic. With our entrails? When I was 19, I got pregnant. <laughs> Your abortion. impression is better, and you don't even know who the person is. <laughs> Wait, back it up. We've just talked over a, an important point here. The stomach, Jenny. She stabbed herself in the stomach. No. Yes. When I was 19, I got pregnant. Oh. I had an abortion. I was way too young for a baby. What are you, 15? An interesting okay, character okay. info for Helen if you she's telling the truth. You need to talk about this. You can't try to bear this alone. Trust me. I tried to keep everything inside and it caused me more pain than anything else in my whole life. It's okay to talk about it, Jenny. Oz is giving a great performance here. Amazing performance. When you stabbed yourself, you were only trying to kill the baby, weren't you? 
It's okay, Jenny. You're only 15 years old. For you to try to raise a child, your mom had thrown you out of the house. You were only trying to kill the baby, isn't that right? You thought if, if you could make the baby go away, things would be better. Are you asking okay, or feeding? What, which one of the two is happening here? I'm gonna help you. Yeah, well, but first she I'm just gonna send someone in to write down the things we talked about. She just I'm gonna tricked her out. into confessing to attempted I murder. Promise. That's some shady shit, Helen. Uh, very on brand. That, very that, on yeah, brand. Right? Super on brand. Get her statement. She's a cold-hearted snake. She don't play by rules. Yeah, well, I mean, I gotta say, that is Helen being Helen. She mm. will get the conviction no matter what, even if it's a child. Because remember, because that reminds me of that um, uh, that episode, I think it was the season finale of season two, where uh, Jerry Adrian Lelly had got her herself... Uh, convicted of murder at like 13 for her character which oh yeah some bullshit. that's right which well, like, it gets me crazy every time when kids are tried as adults so she's clearly oh. not black widow this is the first trial of we'll its kind where a woman is actually being charged with fornicating her husband to death Wait, what? Yep, the quote was, she has been charged with fornicating her husband to death. Hey, I gotta run down to the courthouse, favor for Helen, some homicide case. Helen's asking a favor on a homicide case? I'll call you when I know more. In one of the more amusing polls, 33% of the men said they would nevertheless still want to have sex with the Black Widow, fully knowing she might then try to kill them. I would. Well, no. Jimmy. <laughs> Three, two, six, two, two, Commonwealth versus That Jennifer stands Holbrook, on brand as well. First degree. Eleanor Fraud for the defendant. Wave reading. We enter a plea of not guilty. It's Linda Helen Hunt. Gamble for the Commonwealth. Hey, she's the judge. I'd like to conference. I think we can dispose of it today. A first degree murder case? I'd like to conference. Let's go. <laughs> Jenny? Um, I'm Eleanor Fratt, and I'm your attorney here. And right now, I'm going to go back there, and I'm going to talk to the judge and the district attorney, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you, okay? Okay. Okay, it's very important that you don't talk to anybody about this. Nobody. Ah, uh, there we are. Right. Don't say anything to anybody. A few minutes. Even though you already said everything Too Helen told you to say. Late. This is How do you feel about being labeled Now, this is the Black Widow. Let us yes. know. What about the Black Widow! Sexy lady spinning webs to catch people. 30% of men polled said they would still have sex with her even though she might possibly kill them afterwards. And she is looking at Bobby with some saucy, saucy eyes. She's gonna fornicate him to death. <laughs> that, of course, is Victoria Principal, who most people of a certain age know her as a character in Dallas. She did 251 episodes of Dallas. She was also in Titans and played herself as an international sex symbol on The Larry Sanders Show and Chicago Hope. Oh, interesting. Yes. So, uh, 
little before our time, but like, ask your dad about Victoria Principal. Judged on your appearance and not the merits of this case? It's a prior bad act, an admissible under. It goes to pattern, Your Honor. She killed her last husband, she killed Lots this one. Lots of people she killed neither, this and trial two cannot gallery. make a pattern anyway. She could have killed her first husband as well. That would make three. Her first and husband died of cancer. What are you saying? She's clever. <laughs> Settle oh, down. I'll remove you all of Let's get these out of the way so we can focus on the show. The prosecutor going up against Bobby is Mimi Lieber from Greece, Bullworth, The X-Files, Doogie Howser, Sopranos, and also has an extensive Broadway career, including Act One, The Merchants of Venice, Brooklyn Boy, and was in the recent uh, incredible Broadway production of Indecent. Should we do the judge now while we're stopped? Oh, it's Charles Chaffee. We've seen him uh, many times. I have to. Your Honor, my client was never charged with the murder of her she previous husband to allow the prosecution suspected. to argue three this. Three marriages, three dead husbands. That's a pattern. I'm going to allow it. Appealed. So noted. Anything else? No, Your Honor. Is the Commonwealth ready for trial? Ready, Your Honor. Mr. Donald? Ready. Two o'clock. It's nice then. to see Bobby pro uh, defend litigating for a little, for a stretch. I'm not sure that was the old college trial. Just preserving the objection for appeal. The so truth is, I want them to introduce this stuff. Why? Because it's been in the papers for months. There's no way those jurors haven't heard of it. We'll need to address it, Courtney. I think there was something like this Black in real life. Because you like bugs. At this time, this is a rip from the headline story. She was thrown out of the house by her mother. She's never had a father. She's 15 years old. I, I just like to do this quietly before it becomes front page of the Metro. We section, have two interesting cases this week. What's yeah. your offer? Good. I'll give One, him voluntary punch. manslaughter, three years. That way she's out when she's 18 instead of 21. She might have a shot at a life. Well, I need to look at her file. I'll talk it over with her, but that sounds great. Ms. Gamble said she'd help me. She is, Jenny, trust me. Involuntary manslaughter is a very good offer considering this happened in your third trimester. You could be out by the time you're 18. And even if we went to trial and won on diminished capacity, you're still looking at as much time. So I should plead guilty? Well, first I want you to undergo a psychiatric exam. Then I'd like to review your statement and the police report a little more, but... That's a good lawyer. Yes, it's an excellent deal. And I think we should jump in. Another at. case in which Eleanor gets to be the compassionate lawyer, which is really a good color for her. Has your mom come to see you yet? I don't think she even knows. Could you tell her? Sure. The mom's going to be a raging something. I'm going to get Lucy Hatcher and, and my gonna assistant color to come and talk Eleanor's to you. We're going to need to get you some new clothes for court. Tactics. Okay. All right. I'm going to be in touch. See, that's the, I, that's the kind of lawyer I would want. Give me, give me kid gloves, Helen, or uh, Eleanor. Oh, yeah, no, if I'm being uh, charged with something, I need, like, And were you able to, to determine the cause literally. of death, doctor? Acute cardiac arrest. You did toxicology tests? We did. Anything remarkable in those tests? We found traces of the drug commonly known as Viagra. I never, ever prescribed Viagra for Jerry. Did you ever talk about Viagra with him? Yes, we did. And I told him in no uncertain terms, taking that drug would be a death sentence. Why is that, doctor? Jerry had a weak heart. He'd gone through 
two separate bypass operations. The very last thing he should have been taking is a pill to facilitate sexual marathons. The reason you had talked about Viagra with Jerry Hansen is because he Doctor won. Doctor will not the right prescribe doctor. Viagra even though we're in extended Viagra commercial this episode. <laughs> I don't really think I need to uh, augment that at all. <laughs> it is Alex Rocco, who is an Emmy winner for the famous Teddy Z. He was also in The Godfather, The Wedding Planner, Smoking Aces, The Division, and he played B. Arthur... On Family Guy. It, oh, interesting. He What's voices, his name? Edward Rocco? His name is Alex Rocco. Alex? You'll hear his voice in a lot of things, yes. So Dr. Melnick, played by Alex Rocco, who doesn't want you to take that blue pill for your caco? I wouldn't prescribe it. No. But he wanted it. He wanted to be able to perform better with his wife. Keith, it takes a honed comedic mind to find a rhyme for cock. <laughs> yes. He... <laughs> Wanted like, it. Yes, but Thank I you. In addition to Clock. being Jerry Hansen's doctor, Clock. were you also his friend? Yes, I was. His death was very Clock. upsetting for you. Do they teach that in law school? Stock. It's upsetting when friends die. Doctor. Doc. Of course I'm upset. <laughs> and if you believe my client was responsible for his death, you want to see her convicted, wouldn't you? Objection. Goes to bias. You've made the point. Move on. Doctor, you said Jerry wanted to perform better with my client. Yes. Sexually perform. Yes, sexually perform. She wanted him to perform better, and he wanted to perform better. She played these mind games with him, made him feel inadequate. Well, if he were feeling inadequate, could that be why he wanted the Viagra? Possibly, but And if I... you wouldn't give it to him, you make no room for the possibility that he might go get it someplace else. Well, why was it ground up and put into wine? Move to strike. If he wanted to take Move it... Move to strike. She laced the wine and killed him. Move to strike. That. That's enough. He's a bit of a hostile witness. Doctor. So they ground up the Viagra. Did you advise Jerry Hansen to refrain from sexual intercourse altogether? You know, there are websites now. You don't even need to go to a doctor. You just, like, get it for, like, $11 for a month's supply. You have a very specific knowledge of that. There's a reason. Uh, and that reason is not that I... <laughs> <laughs> is there something wrong with your clock? No, no, no. I had a conversation with my brother-in-law about this website called Hims, where you can get like Propecia and other men's stuff online. Because he was saying when he was taking Propecia, it was like eleven dollars a pill or three three dollars a pill, something like that. And I was like, oh, it's yeah. not like that anymore. It's so we. I looked on Hims. It's like whatever, and you can get Viagra. Anyway. No. I told him to be very careful. Good enough. Take I'm cutting it that out right out oh, of the episode. Why could he take the drug? <laughs> no, that's the Just to help him perform, but carefully. You know, this episode is, it reminds me of Viagra because it's much longer than usual and much harder than usual. And slow. And, oh, I wish you had... People with heart conditions do use this drug sometimes. Isn't that right, Doctor? Yes, but I didn't think it was indicated for Jerry. Why not? Because knowing Jerry, I was afraid he would try to keep up with her. And add Viagra, his heart might give up before And knowing he... Jerry's nature, he wouldn't have the sense to stop. Was that your fear? Yes. Thank you, Doctor. Well, that was a good little move by Eugene. Yeah. Oh, we are Ms. in Holbrook? the slums, it looks like. Yeah. Low income My name is housing. Eleanor Frutt. I'm an attorney. What do you want? I'm afraid I have some bad news. She dead? Jesus. Who? Jenny. Oh, no, 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 no. She's not dead. 
But her baby is, and she has been charged with its death. She's in custody now, and I'm representing her. What's going to happen to her? Well, she may have to go to a juvenile detention center until she's 18. That's what we're hoping for. Three years? Baby lasts a lot longer than that. She made out good. Yeah. That is an amazing response from Cameron. That hateful mother is played by Tara Chuckle. Yeah, that was lots of emotional repression there. We tested the wine. The results indicated there were remnants of Viagra in it. And now that was probably a full day shoot for those 30 seconds of film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was under five, too. Yeah. What, if any, conclusions did you draw from this detective? That the Viagra had been ground up and put into the wine. Her previous husband, Mr. Carter, died of an insulin overdose. Accidental? There was evidence to support that he was killed by the defendant, who was still married to him at the time. What evidence? He was a diabetic. He gave himself insulin injections daily and had been for years without incident. And here we had a massive overdose. It was hard for us to believe that he could have made such a huge mistake. Latent fingerprints on the syringe matched the defendant. She inherited under the will, which gave financial motive. You never charged Mrs. Hansen with Mr. Carter's death. No, so we were never able to collect husband. enough evidence. In fact, the truth is, you had no evidence other than your suspicion. Isn't that right, Detective? Her prints were on the syringe. She could have handed him the syringe like she said. Possible. Possible. We're missing something. Why? Their case is lousy. It's all circumstantial innuendo. Marsha Scott is the smart DA, and she hasn't put anything on the table. Secret weapon? We're missing something. Something. Courtney. Are we? No. I love that any scene, every scene that is shot, quote unquote, after hours, Bobby's tie is always just a little loosened and askew. It's like the visual indicator they use, it's their language, their iconography to be like, all right, this is after 6 p.m. Exactly. What's the sun? It's like in our life. Just just, what we talked about. But he's had an agenda from the beginning. He never even wanted me to marry Zing. his father in the first place. <laughs> Why? He was afraid I'd kill him. Because of all the suspicion around my previous husband's death. Well. Actually, may, uh, Google this for me so I don't break my computer, but when did So I Married an Axe Murderer come out? Oh. It's like good. vaguely around the same time, isn't it? I think so. I think it was like late 80s. Oh, I'll never no, forget it, it too. Go for 93. It. Oh, so well after. Wow. Well after. The, yeah. Remember, he does. He was like a beat poet and he was dating. A, they called her. It wasn't the Black Widow. It was, it was Mrs. X. We had luscious sex. Was she Mrs. X? She stole my heart and my cat. Mike Myers is a genius. <laughs> they must think he's some kind of witness because they're resting on his we testimony. Own. Yeah. We're missing something. They could rest by midday tomorrow. So let's go over your testimony. I go first. Courtney, you're first and last. You're all we have. Courtney. It does sound like they go way back, doesn't it? Always. How'd it go? All right. Did you tell her mother? Yeah, you know what she said? Three years, not so bad. A baby lasts longer than three years. Eleanor, Helen told her she could leave. What do you mean she told her she could leave? If she told what happened, she could leave. That's what Helen said. 
She also told Jenny about her own abortion and how she needed to talk about it. Wait, how does Lucy know this? I, I believe that Lucy was there with um, Paz. I think possibly giving her clothes for court. I think she was tricked into that confession. Didn't Helen trick somebody and a couple episodes ago? She had an abortion? Like every yes. episode. And Lucy what else? turns the plot. So hard it was. Lucy makes a strong swing right there to be in the mix for MVL if things work out well. Yeah, fair That's enough. Big. How she made it worse by keeping it all inside. She said it would be better for me to tell her and that if I did, she'd make sure I could leave jail. What else? She just kept saying how, you know, she understood how I would want to make the baby go away and how my life... I thought she'd help me. She never said I'd be convicted of murder. She never said that. Man, 15? Helen did her dirty. Seriously. Helen being Helen. B-roll of my first husband at night. How is he relevant? Well, we have to cover the old thing. All your husbands were years right, old. Keith, we now have the Black Widow and Bobby alone in the office after hours. I don't see Eugene. This is where I think my prediction comes into play. And what I'm calling was my that shot prediction that she's gonna lay on. She's gonna. I start don't think that was the phrase you used. She's going to start spinning a web. <laughs> <laughs> it's a question the jury will be asking, and I'd like to answer it. It's not something I really want to get into on the witness stand in front of a room full of reporters. Well, great get diction. into it now. She has great diction. I'll decide whether it's useful or not. A lot of soaps. I uh, began to develop when I was 11. My older brother's friends were copying feels by the time I was 12. When I was 15, college guys were hitting on me. Even now, your colleague, Mr. Baluti, and even you, have your thoughts. Me? What have I done? It's beside the point. The point is, I've been on my guard with men my whole life. The only man I ever felt safe with growing up was my dad. So, I suppose on some level, my attraction to older men is more about my being drawn to the safety of, I don't know. Now that is a perfect I, I demonstration of, for those watching at home, this shot is in around eight, 18 minutes and 16 seconds. This is what we call key lighting, where she's lit, you know, softly, but then she's got that key light above her up top right. Really, really nice picture. Also, I'm drawn to the safety of. I don't know. Interesting, incredible story she has there. You've been nothing but totally professional, but I know when a man's attracted to me. Meanwhile, she's like half Kittleson here. Mm-hmm. Bobby, gonna be much longer. It's funny, Dylan played no, that as I'm almost just, like we're just about finished. And there's Ooh. Lindsay being salty, just like you said. Did you see 
the Black Widow, when he stood up, check out his. Uh... <laughs> I don't we think I in, I inferred that. I watch, watch her eyes when Bobby stands up. No, we're just we're just about finished. I mean, she gave him the. Well, they're both. They are both looking below the Bobby's belt there when he stands up. <laughs> I I don't think we're inferring oh, anything. Tell her I don't want to prepare. Three two six two two Commonwealth versus Jennifer Holbrook, murder in the first degree. Your Honor, both parties. I would say the web has been spun. Fan. discussed in conference. I'm sure Miss Holbrook. Actually, Your Honor, defense rescinds its agreement on the plea and instead brings a motion to suppress Miss Holbrook's confession. Eleanor, on what grounds? My client's statement was a result of coercion. It was also obtained in violation of her Fifth Amendment rights. What are you talking about? Miranda, my client didn't understand. She was read her rights twice. And then she was basically unread them, Helen. What? What's going on here? Miss Gamble told my client that if she gave a statement, she would get to leave. Basically, Your Honor, where Miranda says anything you say may be used against you, Miss Gamble told her anything you say may be used what to I help you. What I don't understand, though, Miss Holbrook is from a meta standpoint, is why Helen keeps thinking she can get away with this crap when Bobby's firm always calls her on it. Well, especially since she brought in Bobby's firm to represent Paz here. Right, I guess you could, you could, I guess if I'm trying to justify it, maybe Helen thought, well, if I bring them in, they'll think it's on the up and up and we're doing the right thing. It is a good deal we're giving her. Here's the statement. Like, she was thinking maybe Eleanor wouldn't ask a lot of questions for some reason. Right. Well, and also, I imagine uh, she's going to address this, but like, I think this stuff happens all the time. This yeah, I is mean, like we go back a couple weeks job. to the Jimmy deal, you know? Right. 15 years old, still in the throes of a pretty big emotional wallop, and she believed the promises that Miss. Small potatoes, I'm but we should, we haven't discussed Lucy's hair. Yeah, it's red this week. Well, I would say it's almost purple. Purplish red. I, I got to say, though, I really like Lucy being part of this plot, you mm -hmm. know, because she's close in age to this girl and has her back and is like emotionally engaged in this story. And I think it's a it's a good organic way to involve Lucy in this in a way that's not just being snarky in the office. Yeah, but I think they also were smart, you know, in the. The serial plot as to give Lucy make Lucy a victim you know, last season. So she has that sort of empathy as a young woman who has who's dealt with some of these things. Yeah, yeah, for Gamble sure. Oh, come on. Have you ever had an abortion? She talked to my client about her very own abortion in order to get Jenny to admit that she killed her unborn child. The only thing that matters for the purpose of a confession is was the suspect read her rights and did she make the statement voluntarily? She was, she did. And I contend she was confused in respect to her rights, deliberately confused, and that the statement was not voluntary. All right. Aren't they roommates? Yeah, I was I'd literally like to about Ms. to put that out. Chambers, please. Excuse me? That's underhanded. Yeah, problem with me asking a few fight. questions, counsel. Nice ambush, Helen. You know, don't talk to me about ambush, Helen. You used me. I did no such thing. You figured I'd be less inclined to doubt your motives, and I don't like My it. My motive was to help that girl. And what was it when you went into that room to interrogate her? To get her statement. Having got a confession, I did have compassion for her. That is why I came to you. I don't know how in good conscience you can trick a 15-year-old. Your client is a murderer, Eleanor. You're angry. I understand. But don't appeal to me on conscience. I was suspicious of her from the very beginning. Why was that? 
My father was in his 70s, frail. He wasn't what anybody would call attractive, nor was he at all charming. And she falls in love with him? Did your father ever talk to you about his father ever talk to you? I have to go, I have to keep talking about this because I think it's a really cool case. I really think it's interesting because look, they're both on, the, the, Helen has a point. You know, she is a murderer. She killed the baby in the third trimester, regardless of the reasoning, right? Let's not even open that can of worms yet. But these are conversations that could be happening on the stand in front of a jury and let them decide, right? But she sort of revoked that ability because she tried to sh shoehorn in the confession. Well, and she's tr she's trying to, like, settle it all out so we don't ever have to have that conversation. And by making a sort of like a giving her a good deal makes that the trial not necessary. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and, and, and I think it, it also speaks to Helen's more conservative viewpoint, you know, considering it full on first degree murder as opposed to something a little bit more complex, which in my opinion it is. And she's right. I mean, I think Eleanor has a point in that, you know, Helen could have called in any of the lawyers over there, you know, to to def to make this deal work out. The the conflict of interest of calling in your roommate is to try to solve literally her. your roommate. Yeah. yeah. The defendant. Sometimes. Specifically, what did he talk about? Specifically, sex. He said the she was insatiable. Of the victim. He once said no. objection hearsay. Did he ever seem upset? Guy who's not the therapist, but the victim's son. Oh, I just made an assumption that was wrong. I made an ass out of you and me. Mike wasn't paying attention. Who is it? Oh. Neither <laughs> <laughs> was I. <laughs> <laughs> Locale Keith has arrived on the podcast. Locale Keith has been here for about 20 episodes. <laughs> this is Whip Hubley from Top Gun Species. Executive decision. Uh, what I wrote down is Dlipper, but what that really is is Flipper <laughs> and St. Elmo's Fire. So go watch that like wonderful dolphin mystery, Dlipper. Cool Whip. Whip. When he whip. spoke of sex. Cool Whip. Once he was very excited, yes. What did he say then? Objection. Excited utterance, exception to the hearsay rule. And he just happened to use that word excited. This witness has been coached. I object to that. All right. Mr. Donald, your objection is overruled. Please sit. The witness may answer the question. What did your father tell you, Mr. Hanson? He said she would make love so physically sometimes it was violent, oh, almost shit. sadistic. He wondered whether... She was trying to give him a heart attack. What else, sir? He said she'd taunt him during sex. Taunt him to go harder. Like some weird psychological punishment. I have nothing further, Your Honor. Ben. <clears throat> Little fan. Did she say, I'm going to put Viagra in his wine and then make love to him till he suffers a coronary? Because <laughs> that would be good testimony, Mr. Hanson. Maybe you should have her say that. Objection. Withdrawn. Did your father feel his life was in danger? Well, I think a little he did. Did you take him seriously? Yes. Did you notify the police? Talk to my client, express your concern. No. So you weren't concerned. You took the danger seriously, but it didn't concern you. What was I supposed to do? Go to the police and say, Hey, I think my stepmother is trying to intercourse my father to death. 
If you were concerned, yes. Tell me, Mr. Hansen, if my client is convicted of murder and becomes disqualified... I start to wonder if I've been missing out my whole life. I've never feared for my life. During sex? During being intercoursed, as the son verbed it. I, I, uh... <clears throat> This is a moment where I'm really glad that our uh, our intern is not on the air with us, and I look forward to the text I'm going to receive from her after well, she hears this moment. Yeah, I'm interested in that text, too, because you're still calling her intern when she is co-founder and CEO. Oh, yes, that's true. Co-founder and CEO is going to send... I, I can't wait to hear her respond to your complaining that you have never feared for your life being intercoursed. <laughs> well... <laughs> I stand by it. From the inheritance, <laughs> who then takes under the will? That would be me. That would be you. Do you think I'm sitting in this chair today because of money? That's exactly what I think. I think you're a liar. Objection. I think your testimony was false, calculated. Objection. Are you lying to get your father's money? Mr. Counsel. It's just a little too damn convenient for me. I'm sorry. My client is being charged with murder for inducing a heart attack. And you get up here and say, gee, my father told me he was afraid she'd give him a heart attack. When you never said that to anybody before, Mr. Hanson. And you remember to add he was excited when he said it to get around the hearsay rule. Uh, probably at the district attorney's coaching. Objection. It's just a little too convenient. He's badgering. Damn right I am. I badger liars. Mr. Young, that's enough. You said she makes love in a violent way. That's what he said. What's she... violent to a 70-year-old man? I don't know. Well, did you ask? Your father says violent. You don't follow that up and say, Dad, what do you mean? I wish I had. You said she taunts. She's sadistic. She psychologically punishes him, and you don't even go to her and say, what's going on? What kind of caring son are you? Maybe I should have done Do you know what perjury is, Craig? Objection. You're under oath here. Mr. Young. Steve Harris is so good. I'm done. He's... Like, both the character and the actor are killing it in that moment. It's complex. It's well-reasoned. And since, Great. you know, she was an attorney, I thought, I thought she would make it so I could leave. But when you signed this statement... She said that if I told them exactly what happened, it would be better for me by not keeping stuff inside, and I... She told you she had an abortion? Yes, and how terrible it was for her that she kept stuff buried inside, and... You lied to me. I trusted you, and you lied to me. All right, Jenny. The detectives told you, did they mm -hmm. not, that the things you said could be used against you in a court of law? Yes. But then she came in, and she's an attorney, and she said they wouldn't be. <clears throat> Jenny, I think I'd like you to wait outside for a minute. Oh, we gonna have a, a keep talking. her here, please. Aren't we resourceful? None of her civil rights were violated. Did you have an abortion? It certainly isn't relevant. It is to me, did you? Nope. No. Tricks are used in interrogations all the time. This was a lie. Lies too. There's nothing unconstitutional about lying to a suspect so long as they understand their rights. 
which she did. I disagree with that. She didn't understand her rights. Oh, come on. Look, we can all try to get inside this girl's head, but that's not the way it goes. We have constitutional do's and don'ts. We didn't commit any of the don'ts. The statement is valid and admissible. That's my decision. I'm going to think about it. The fact Thanks, that she's fi yeah. 15 is really relevant here. We'll reconvene at two o'clock. May I say something? Whenever your position is, yes, I lied, and yes, I coerced a confession, but that's legal because, is a tough argument. Might be well, right, legally, but it's tough. She's about to uh, have something to say about that. You're all thinking about Jenny Holbrook. I wasn't called in to talk to Jenny Holbrook. I was brought down to question a murder suspect. A suspect who killed a baby. A suspect who wouldn't talk to the police. Now, the morality of how I tricked her has no relevance. This isn't a moral arena. It is a legal one. And everything I did was legal. And she has this backstory and a fragile personality and an abusive mother. It all seems just so awful now. Here's a flash. Killers don't like to talk. It's not easy getting these confessions. Tag a bunch of moral strings now on top of the constitutional ones. We will never get anybody. Good speech. See, it's a complex He brought the Viagra. Story. I like it. Your husband did? Yes. Did he say where he had gotten it? No. And then you put it in the wine? Yes. He had 50 milligrams, one pill, and well, we were talking about the fact that it was now being reported that women got benefits from taking it too, so more for a laugh than anything else, we ground up the pill and we sprinkled it into our wine. More for a and laugh then. than anything else. After dinner, we mm. watched some television, then we went to bed, and we made love. And the effects Look, of the Look, Louis C.K.'s on the jury. Well, it definitely works. And at some point... Jerry grabbed his chest. He was I just ran through about 12 scenarios of things to say in response to that. <laughs> and luckily, I'm cowled enough to know that I'm just going to not say anything. A heart attack. I called 911. I feel perfectly fine CPR. taking shots at Louis C.K. By the time the paramedics got there, he was gone. There's been testimony that you were extremely physical. It did look a lot like Louis C.K. That's completely false. Craig Hansen was lying. His father never said those things to him. Our lovemaking was never very physical. It was certainly not violent. My husband had a heart condition, and we were always mindful of it. Both of us. You say your husband brought the Viagra? That's right. Did you ever get Viagra from your doctor? No. And how much did Viagra talk to pay her about to be a part of this episode? Trust me, my husband was very old. His heart did more pumping than the rest of him. Let's oh. just put it that way. Guys, I think we should also... Everybody take one Viagra every time they say it. <laughs> this like episode new... brought to you by... Well, yes, we had discussed that. Okay. And you should discuss it with your doctor your today. What? Discuss? Oh, you mean Viagra? Counsel. Yes. Especially if you've got a very big dick. I got a very big dick. Hey, I was relatively close to the key there. You're down a step. That's it. That's pretty step good. Down. Mr. Donald. 
The defense rests, Your Honor. The Commonwealth calls one rebuttal witness, uh, Dr. Gail Parent. Here knew there was comes a... the twist. She's my doctor. Oh, shit. Defense objects, Your Honor, sidebar. This is my client's own doctor. What's your offer of proof? She's prepared to testify she gave the defendant Viagra samples two days before Jerry Hansen died. Oh, snap. You, wait, samples of what? Viagra? Oh, Viagra. Oh. Spock, speak to your doctor today for samples of... Viagra. It's what Mike looks up on the internet. It's privilege, doctor, patient she relationship. She privilege. <laughs> she opened the door. How? During her testimony, oh, she had the right... Listen, I'm almost 40 years old. I don't know what I'd do with an erection for four hours. What the hell would I do with it? <laughs> four apparently, hours? Apparently not fear for your life being intercoursed. <laughs> CEO Jen will be happy to report that four hours is unnecessary. And to assert privilege, she didn't. She talked about her doctor when that I asked her That is so about. bogus. You can't selectively assert privilege, Your Honor. The woman did answer questions about things she discussed with her physician. I'm going to allow it. You gotta be kidding me. She opened the door. DA Maria Scott is really good. I mean, I can get it done bef before, between that little, before the end of one episode of The West Wing and that little start of the next one. Just that little bit of bar filling up on Netflix. That's all I need, baby. Da, da, and we're done. And we're done. <laughs> I knew we were missing something. That was their ace. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we're off the road. You rest. got the Viagra from your own doctor? Viagra? I was afraid of how it would look if... People what was the other ga word really game we had for shots? Oh, Legacy. Legacy, yes. Legacy and Viagra. Our legacy will be a... Do a Viagra shot every time you hear Viagra. Oh, boy. Mix, gr ground it up. Mix it in right. your drink of choice. I think, well, it should be a jello shot. It should be a Viagra jello shot. Mm, make sure it's blue. It's got to be blue jello. Of course. On brand. Put it in his wine. Did you? No. It happened exactly as I said. It didn't happen as you said. You got the Viagra, and now they caught you in a lie. Our whole case was your testimony, your credibility, and now it's shot. Don't yell at me. You lied to us, Courtney. I didn't kill him. We were making love. I didn't kill him. Well, that's how it looks. Eugene has stink face. After your doctor testifies, you have to get back up there and explain to the jury why you lied. And I hope you're good. Oh, she good. She's been playing this real neutral while the scoring is trying to really like pump up the fact that she's dangerous. I was just so afraid. She's of been very look. neutral. Everybody yeah. thinks that I killed my last husband. I was afraid if they knew that I was the one who procured the Viagra. So they've only been so talking really about two husbands. Viagra? Did I, do I remember them saying there was a third as well or no? Yeah, there was a third who died of something less suspicious, but he did die. So, and number two was the insulin, and number was three the insulin. is Viagra. Number three is Viagra. Yes, Viagra. Talk, sh should yes. we talk to our doctor about it? But See if today, it's right for us? we both agreed to put it into the wine. That said, if you'd like to sponsor a podcast, Viagra, we're Courtney. happy to uh, work Why it in. Why should the jury believe oh, you? We'll now. work it in. 
I don't have an answer for that. I'm... For four hours. <laughs> why should anybody believe that I could fall in love with an older man? But I did. That's why I know the word priapism, because of all those fucking commercials. <laughs> I did. Let's talk about that. Oh, that's your... You've fallen in love I'll with three there. older men. For whatever reason, I've found safety in older men. They're not as predatory, I suppose. Keith, are you I an older man? I told Mr. Now? Donald that it probably goes to the Clearly. safety that I found with my own father. You felt safe with your dad? Your dad died serving time in Carteret Prison in New Jersey, didn't he? He was convicted of raping you when you were nine years old. Whoa. He was wrongly convicted. It never happened. How does her defense attorney not have that information? I I have n- no idea. You you've got to do a like a basic background check on your client, right? Dad convicted of rape All, yeah. of her. Come on, that doesn't come up. That's some bullshit right there. That That's, is some. I, you know, I was we're gonna give Lucy the MVL, but it, shouldn't she be the one doing the background checks? Because she's not a paralegal. She's just the technical. Yeah, I don't know if it's her responsibility, but. Somebody, Somebody should, have done should it. be doing that. Jimmy your needs to put on his glasses. Get on the on Google it. box. Mrs. Hansen? It never happened. Your Honor, could I have time to confer with my client? No, you may not. And it's not a good look for them you to don't look blindsided find safety by it. with these of older course. men, do you, Mrs. Hansen? You find your anger, your hatred. Now they've got motive. He was wrongly convicted. For all of them. It never happened. Ooh, she's losing it. Do not fuck with Mar- Maria Scott. She is losing it. Are you losing your erections too early? Well, you can change that all with new Viagra. Cheap on the internet. That's Viagra. The little blue plill. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Does little not help boo with diction. Plill. <laughs> Doesn't help with diction, but helps with dick, son. <laughs> Endorsed by Mike and Deglio. $11 online. Ask him, he'll tell you how. <laughs> So, Courtney, any other surprises? Bobby, don't get all... You should have known that. Come on, Bobby. Never happened. Seriously. All right, now. Judge Zoe Hiller has some something to say. Be seated. Well, Miss Gamble, you're completely right. There is nothing illegal or unconstitutional about deceiving suspects into giving statements. It's done all the time. But still, I can't help but think that somehow we've lost our way. The whole point of our constitutional safeguards is to protect the suspects against police misconduct. Maybe you honored the letter of the law here, but the spirit of it took a beating. Defense counsel's argument that a Mirandized suspect was, in effect, de-Mirandized, it's a valid one. She's 15. By the time you got through with her, she believed she'd help herself by talking. It doesn't make sense that you can read somebody her rights so she'll understand, only then to deliberately confuse her and smile with a constitutional wink. 
It would seem that the players in our system should at least act in good faith. Great argument. But as a judge, I'm bound by precedent, and trickery still survives any constitutional challenge. I suppose Ms. Gamble said it best. This is a legal arena, not a moral one. The statement is allowed. We'll conference next Tuesday at 9 o'clock to set a trial date. Adjourned. Yikes. They keep cutting back to Lucy, and Lucy's doing some great facial acting. She's clearly invested emotionally in this case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's neat to see Lucy keep having this maturity, like she's gaining maturity as the episodes go on, too. Mm-hmm. And Helen Gamble is becoming oh, less, been a Helen looks less scrupulous. I think she might watching be watching Courtney Hansen on the stand. Maybe she's got some denial wait, wait. issues Meanwhile, about what happened to her as a child. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. If you suffer an erection for longer than four hours, please contact your doctor. Maybe it didn't really happen. Obviously, the prosecution wants you to believe that she's acting out her anger against these older men she married. It's a theory. But at the end of the day, that's all they have. Suspicion, jealousy, innuendo, theory. There is no evidence to establish that she purposely caused Jerry Hansen to have a heart attack. Suspicion, yes. But evidence? What is there? Jerry Hansen told his son he was afraid the way she pushed him during intercourse and yes we can consider the way her previous husband died because it's a pattern rich old men death she inherits if his father said he felt danger why did this loving son do nothing if she gets convicted he inherits everything why is this loving son suddenly making noise as the will goes to probate? She ground up that Viagra so he wouldn't detect it. <laughs> Viagra? Come on. A man with a weak heart, is it available two anywhere, bypasses, Mike? she has intercourse for over an N- not hour? Not that I know of. If that isn't reckless disregard, then what is? A man with a weak heart, prone to pushing too hard, has a coronary. They're charging murder. That's out there to begin with, to prove it. You better have Lucy some pretty thinking really strong hard. evidence. They don't have any. They're asking you to convict with suspicion. Why did she lie? If she's innocent, why didn't she just take that stand and tell us the truth? But she didn't do that, did she? She lied. Afraid you might get the right idea. Right, so we've heard closings. Mike, what do you think? Did she do it or did she not do it? Chance of parole. Well, (sighs) 
I definitely see a motive, but I have not seen any forensic evidence that she did it. Well, and but if, in this situation, what would the forensic evidence be? I don't know. I I guess I bet my better viewpoint is that they yes, there's been some twists and turns, but there they there is still reasonable doubt. And Fair I always enough. I always err on the side of doubt. Of course, yeah. you know, as we say all of the time, we were presented a you know a snapshot of the case. But I will say that last doctor coming in was compelling. Her getting a Viagra and clearly kind of well, her her lying about having gotten it is is very right. suspicious. If you get convicted of first degree, you go away forever. So Bobby's trying to get out? her to take a. Yeah. Bobby's trying to get her to plead a second degree. Do you think I'll be convicted? Strictly on the evidence, you shouldn't be. But I'm not so sure the jury won't look beyond the evidence. The insulin OD of your last husband that'll hurt. You lying on the stand. That'll hurt a lot. Bobby. Bobby, baby. I didn't do it. Baby Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. 26 minutes. They have a verdict? Yikes. What does that mean? In this case, I have no idea. They could we have easily know. said no evidence, or they, they could have just quickly concluded that you're guilty. I have no idea. Well, if we're going to take the deal. Courtney. It's your call. Every time we have a moment like this, I get anxiety to the to the top of my brain because I just I can't help but put myself in this scenario. I got it. It's like trying to move. I'm I'm deciding whether I want to move out of the city has relegated me to complete immobility. Deciding in a split second whether I should potentially risk going away for the rest of my life or guarantee that I go to prison for 15 years. Ah. Yeah, I, I don't think you're well-suited to being a Black Widow. No, it's true, although I have been accused of intercoursing my fair share of ladies right to death. Or wait, maybe that was just the death of their interest in my intercourse. I don't know, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you, you know what would help me with that? What's that? Viagra! You should ask your doctor about it today. It's available online for $11. No, $11 was the... $23 is the Propecia. Oh, but how much was the Viagra? I didn't actually in investigate the Viagra because I don't need it, y'all. You didn't care very, what it cost. I get a very hard dick. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. How much are you regretting having brought that up in the first place? <laughs> maybe very is not... Maybe <laughs> relatively is probably the term we're looking for <laughs> at 40. I got a relatively hard dick. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't like hammering a nail with it, but it, you know, it stands up. Courtney, the jury's not looking over here. It's a bad <laughs> If we can still get murdered too. Oh god, we're 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 missing this plot point here. It's like one of those metal slinkies, but it's you know it's after you've used it for like three to four, three or four years. It like it works, but I would so when it flops over, it gets like four feet long. Yeah, but it's useless. It just kind of flops down and the definitely stairs. Definitely not as fun as you thought it was gonna be. No, no, it's fun for about ten seconds, and then you're like, "What? Why did I get this?" Oh, and then you cut your finger on it. Oh my god! All right, I'm not looking over, not even. Hold on, hold on. We need to explain what's happening here. Yeah, I need to I need to circle back. Okay. <laughs> the, the jury came back in 26 minutes 
What is X and, minutes? And and they're tw- passing around a paper. Right, right. But Bobby's freaking out because the, none yeah, of them are looking at her. Which is usually a sign of guilty when the jury members are afraid to look at the defendant. This late in the game, you can still take the plead right before until they read it? Yep. Crazy. Nope. Running out of time. Looking over, not even one of them. Damn. Still on the table. I hate to rush you. Okay. Your Honor? Keith, I don't like it. I am nervous. Did she do the right thing? Did she do it? Oh, you gotta... Give me something, David. We've reached a plea. Murder in the second degree. It's too late. The jury's returned its verdict. It's not too late. The verdict hasn't been entered. We are about to enter it, counsel. It's not entered. We have a right to reach a plea. I'll file interlocutory appeal. We'll go upstairs and we'll argue it. You really want to do this? We're fine with it. It'll spare us an appeal. I don't like these last-minute stunts, Mr. Donald. It's not a stunt. It's a legitimate plea agreement. Mrs. Hansen. Do you agree to plead guilty? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I'm, like, taking commercial right before they release it, but if she was actually not guilty... Right. Usually on this show, people who are not guilty are like, I, I don't care. I don't care if I go to jail. I won't admit to something that I didn't do. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I don't really know enough about sentencing, but like second degree and first degree, I understand there's like without parole, but she's probably what, like 50 mm-hmm. there? So at she's going to get at least 25 years. So she's like 75 or so before she starts thinking about parole to begin with. So you're you're risking freedom versus like I get to be free for like 10 years when I'm elderly. Yeah. And also you were confident enough to not take the plea, you know, 20 minutes ago, but now based on the fact that nobody looked at you, like that's, that's really splitting hairs there. But I mean, they, they do say jury consultants do specifically say that the, the jury won't look at the, I mean, when I convicted a guy on a jury, I didn't look at him when we read the, uh, well, there you have it. That You know what? That's all I needed to... That tells me everything I need to know right there. Will you murder in the second degree? I do, Your Honor. So entered. Members of the jury, thank you for your service. This matter is adjourned. Sentencing, 2 o'clock Friday. Mr. Don, I'm not big on passing notes in class, but you can keep this. Holy shit. Did he send her away? Not guilty. Oh my god. Bobby, you damn fucked up. Well, we don't know whether she well, did or not, but I guess that's. Good. I mean, for his client, he did. I would recommend you don't mention this to her. I think we did the right thing. He's gonna lie to her, yeah. I'll be in. We need we need to talk before sentencing. Okay. And we she was raped by her I dad. Right I mean 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a rough situation. Yo, that's, that's rough, man. And wait, how did the other case play out? She's going to go to trial. Wow, that's a lose-lose week for us. It is a lose-lose week here on The Practice. Woof. Okay, Phoenix, it's time to switch back over to YouTube because it's time for the oopsies here after Season 4, Episode 17, Black Widows. But, of course, before we do the oopsies, we have a very important segment entitled... Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. We are defending the Black Widow this week. We're also defending a 15-year-old girl accused of stabbing her baby in the stomach and committing murder. But unfortunately, Helen Gamble did a dirty, dirty trick and convinces that girl to confess. On the other hand, Bobby is winning the case until a last-minute uh, person jumps into the case and ends up making the Black Widow plead out, even though the, they, she was going to be found not guilty, and the other lady gets sent to case, so we lose-lose this week. Oh, goodness. <laughs> You know, I've, uh, done, I've done better. No, I haven't. That might still be the best I've ever done. You know, it could help you get it up for that segment. Uh huh. Viagra. Talk to your doctor about it today. Wow, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't great. No, no, it wasn't. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, All yeah. right, guys. You know what it's time for, ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they are a fake award show that we do at the end of every one of these episodes of The Practice where we hand out a bunch of fake awards, which everybody is excited about. Uh-oh, Advil Cam! Advil Cam! <laughs> oh, that didn't take long at all. All right, our first category, of course, is... You still got your chops, buddy. Whew. After talking for two hours. All I, right. I have some thoughts here. We had discussed it during the episode. Hopefully you listened to the episode commentary. If not, then I mean, what are you doing? If not, you have so many. I, we don't even know where to start. Like my hair. There it is. Oh. <laughs> I think right now, without some product, I think you just got to let it. <laughs> the best oopsie. <laughs> you know, I know where you can find some propiche, Keith. I don't know that you I, need it, but. I have too much hair. Um, yeah, me too, which is what's ironic. Like, um, like ape Pisha just does the opposite, takes off some. So Eleanor, despite her best arguments and efforts, was unable to get her client, her confession thrown out. So she's going to trial, and that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Bobby, despite Eugene's best plan B type of behavior against the victim's son was unable to withstand the 
onslaught of evidence being brought in at the last minute. And so, and then made a crucial, crucial error in judgment. And so I think we have to go back to what we said in the first 10 minutes. Lucy was did the most to benefit the client this week. And so I think she gets her second MVL. Okay, well, that's that's interesting. I mean, I think, well, Bobby and Eugene technically won the case. The jury said not guilty, but that's they true. lost their nerve at the last second. So I think that makes them ineligible for it. Uh, and I, I think Lucy was definitely a great lawyer from a moral standpoint. The fight wouldn't have happened without her. Uh, but I think... If we get down to just like who did the best litigating in the courtroom, and I think it was Maria Scott, the yeah. DA against the Black Widow. I thought she just did terrific lawyering, even though she didn't win. The work that she did was so good, it made Bobby and Eugene, of all people, lose their nerve because they thought they got their asses kicked. Yeah, so that's great. If, like she, she convinced a jury of opposing counsel. So, uh, for me, it looks like we've got a split between Lucy and Maria Scott for Most Valuable Lawyer. I'm comfortable with that. Coming up next. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Oh man, I got way too into that. I I, I busted my microphone. I'm punching <laughs> myself in the face. It's it's really time to be done. I think <laughs> playing air piano, air piano, air drums. Air piano is dangerous. It's dangerous, kids. Uh, listen. I thought that Linda Hunt was really great this episode. Mm -hmm. I thought As that always. the opposing counsel who you just awarded an MVL to was excellent. Uh, Mimi Lieber. Mimi Lieber was excellent. But I think for me, I always am amazed when younger actors can carry the weight of uh, a performance like this. And so, oh, and and let's not forget, of course, the Black Widow herself. She was excellent as well, I thought. Victoria um, Principal, yeah. But I'm going to uh, award Paz de la Huerta as Jenny Holbrook for this episode. I thought she had a lot of different colors to play and did all of them really, really well and, and was really moving and affecting, so... And I thought yep. that, like I had mentioned before, the tacit relationship between her and Lucy was really kind of interesting on a lot of levels. So that's my vote this week. Yeah. No, I, I, I entirely agree. I thought there was some really good guest performances, uh, but Paz de la Huerta did a really terrific job um, with the with the whole thing. She's, she's credible as a teenager because she actually was a teenager at that point, um, but really bringing the acting chops. So congratulations. Paz de la Huerta on your best guest. Oopsie. Which brings us to... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show. Keith, I'm going to need some convincing this week. Okay. Because I found... There were some really excellent scenes for me. So one I'd like to point out, Steve Harris in his cross-examination mm -hmm. scene is yep. so excellent. Yeah. 
that it really drives me in that direction. I thought Bobby was great, but I thought that scene really was a, a stealer. Yeah. I also thought Eleanor had a couple, or excuse me, um, Cameron. Cameron had some great scenes uh, showing that that compassionate side of Eleanor that we love so much. Yeah. And she was also really great arguing with Linda Hunt and Helen Gamble in the courtroom scenes. So I'm really drawn to both Cameron Manheim and Steve Harris this week, and I'm going to need your input if if you happen to agree with one of those two to help sway me. Yeah, well, I, I think... Strangely, I'm going to go in yet a different direction. I, I agree with you on both. I thought Cameron's take after dealing with that like monster mother, her just sort of like, okay, which I thought was a really good take. And I thought Eugene's cross there was dynamite as well. But I, I'm going to go with Lara Flynn Boyle because I thought we learned a lot about her character she the she uh, Lara Flynn performing Helen's performance in that opening scene with pause was really excellent she was very convincing when she was tricking the child and then her her take when she got called out by pause in the in the in the judge's chamber that showed a little bit of shame a little bit of defiance, a little bit of um, just like fuck off, and and her speech at the end justifying that what she's doing isn't about morality, and her take when she won the case, like her sort of like little smirk there, that I'm I'm starting to believe that Helen might actually be a sociopath, and I just think that's really interesting, and I think. Uh, I think Lara Flynn gave a very interesting and very layered performance in here. Even though she was the villain mm-hmm. of this episode, I thought she did a great job. I, I can't dis- dispute that or refute it, uh, but I'm but going you to... you have to make a call, sir. I'm going to, for similar reasons, actually, award mine to Cameron McIntosh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I did that again. Oh man! Oh, congratulations to Kevin McCollum for your <laughs> Bob Hoskins, uh, <laughs> Bob Hoskins, Cameron Mannheim, who friend of the show. I sorry about your name. <laughs> I'm on brand there. I just think that opening sequence for me really did it, and her the back and forth between her and Hel- Helen and Lara. I think so. I guess the roommates are going to win this week. Okay, congratulations, roommates. Lara Flynn Boyle and Eartha Kitt, congratulations <laughs> on your Oopsie Awards. All right, coming up next. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. For those of you who haven't seen the past two weeks, up on the screen now I'm going to show uh, um, Fonz Brady and also... Mm-hmm. Uh, New Kid on the Brady. New Kid on the Brady, which will hopefully materialize sometime today so that I can put it into the broadcast. Oh, right. Yes, I'll post it. And, okay, those I've now shown. We'll do it in post! Do it in post! Yeah. Uh, This week, the Tom Brady word for being Tom Brady, I think has to be... Oh, man. Where do I want to go with this? Well, here, I'll I'll set set you up because I have a thought about Tom Brady this week. Okay. Uh, 
because our good friend Maga Tom mm-hmm. uh, made a comment this week that if any of his teammates kneel for the anthem, he's going to quit. Football? At which point, foot, he's going to he's going to quit the he's going to quit the team if any of them kneel. So Maga Brady, to which Jillian was like, "How much can we start a Kickstarter just to pay one of his teammates to kneel to get rid of that fucker?" There's nobody in the world my wife hates more than Tom Brady. I don't see any universe in which at least one player doesn't take a knee. On his team. On his team. Uh, It's it's not your best color, Tom. No. It's not your best color. Anyway. So do you think that just to be social justice warriors, we can find uh, Tom Brady kneeling somewhere and, and call him hypocrite Brady? (laughs) <laughs> or is that too political? Should we go with something a little more? Uh... That's a good question. Yeah. What What can we do? Uh... Well, listen, stay on brand for the theme of this episode, but okay. also All the right. fact that now Tom has gotten caught in a web of his own political Dumb spinning. dumbness? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll do Caught in the Web Brady. Caught in the web, Brady. Okay, I like it. Okay. I like it. All right. So, congratulations to Caught in the Web, Brady, for your Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Which leaves us with only one more thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. It's a good episode. I found it very interesting. I really liked the ambiguity of resolutions. And I also like, I have to say, big picture, look, we're four seasons in now and we win almost all of the time. Yes, we get caught in some shady business here and there, but we generally win. And so the fact that we don't get our way in either case here, and even one step further, we find out that we actually won the case, but then Bobby made a lapse in judgment and sent his client away. I think is very interesting. There are some glaring sort of plot holes for me. We've mentioned it before, the fact that they overlooked some really basic biographical information on their client is a little weird, but you know, it's still within the the, the what do you call it, the uh the percent what's the, what's the percentage where the when you run a poll, you know, the margin margin of error, of error yes. The Viagra, <laughs> right? It's still oh, within episode, the Viagra. This episode's too long and hard. I'm, 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 I'm flagging. <laughs> uh, this episode I, does not have priapism of interest. I enjoyed it. It's one of those where I hope that we find out what happened with, with Jenny Holbrook because I'm still curious as to her plight and where we go with that case. So I'm hoping sure, it, we revisit sure. it. Uh, on the whole, I enjoyed it. I really liked the performances. The writing was solid. I am going to give it 7.5 spare tires. Yeah. Oh, I think that I think that feels fair. Um yeah, I, I, my thought about this episode as I was going through it was there's where's the follow up from last week? Oh yeah, so, that too. Like last week Bobby was held hostage at gunpoint, beaten up and then had to stand there while somebody's head was blown off within six inches of him. And there's 
pretty much like it didn't even happen. So I actually, I went into, I went back to IMDb and uh, looked back at the episode, the specifically for the writers. It turns out I credited David E. Kelly and Todd L. Ellis Kessler as writers on it, but actually it was just Todd Ellis Kessler on huh. that episode. So it's, it's very interesting. I wonder if this Sometimes when you have a a writer who writes all the episodes, and this happened with with Aaron Sorkin actually, that sometimes they get behind, and so they have their staff writers just have an episode on the shelf if they run out of time and they need to just go, and it feels like a standalone episode that they just had there sitting aside that had nothing to do with the main stories really, and it was just like oh crap. David oh, Kelly's got, got that, nothing. We've got this that week. dual cameo episode with Rosie and Donnie. Right, right, exactly. Which has this huge story that doesn't really that could have been dropped in at any point between the engagement and the wedding because there right. was a reference to that. So it, it, it just, I think this episode is slightly diminished by the episode before because you didn't deal with the fallout emotionally or otherwise of that crazy thing that happened to the entire firm. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, but that said, I agree with everything you said. I thought the cases were interesting. I liked the performances. And uh, I really liked the twist at the end. I liked the stakes of having to de you know, determine whether they settle or not. I would have liked perhaps to have the, the distance between first degree and second degree a little bit further apart on in terms of it felt like they took a huge swing without a great distance between winning and losing mm -hmm. whereas i don't know if it was like they took a manslaughter versus nothing but of course that lowers the stakes of them losing i don't know anyway i i did like the episode i'm actually going to agree with you entirely i'm going to give it a seven and a half I thought it was a it was a good episode. It was a fun episode. I don't know if it's like one I'm going to put on my top ten list, but uh, very enjoyable. If but if we wanted that episode to last longer, how could we have what what could we have done to facilitate that? Well, I heard from a friend named Mike and Daglio. You can go on on the internets mm -hmm. uh, to a site for old men and order <laughs> Viagra for right. a very low price. Okay. In uh, fact, you could deal with the doctor online without actually having to go visit a doctor. It turns you out. should you should talk to a doctor and find out if it's right for you. Okay. Well, folks, could cause leaky this... stool though. I've heard. Could... Oh God! What a way to finish an episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to uh, uh, tell us anything about what just happened, you can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice. You can email us directly at Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com. You can check out our blog and list of rankings of episodes at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Tell us if more you, about your sex life, Mike. Sure. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can do so in one of two ways, a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the appropriate show notes, uh, the appropriate links in our show notes, you know, attached to the show. We'd like to thank all of our current and future sponsors for helping us keep the show going and to everyone who engages with us on social media. Yes. You can also support the show by leaving a review, as Keith mentioned, but also by recommending the show to a friend who might enjoy our nonsense 
or the practice as a show. So Keith, I'm going to ask you something very important. Okay. Go grab me that Viagra you bought on my recommendation. Grind mm-hmm. it up. Yep. Then I need you to mix it into that box of rosé I know you have in the fridge. Ah. Drink it copiously. And then fire off as many laser sounds as you're possibly able to muster for the entirety of the four and a half hours you just might last. You know your wife and I drank all that rosé. Mm-hmm. Laser sounds. <laughs>